Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Ready to go. Outkick 360 is back. Wednesday edition. That means primary complaints coming up in 45 minutes. Trey Wallace, uh, who is uh, with Outkick now, and he's an SEC writer and columnist. He joins us today as well as the VolQuest Power Hour. Special show coming up from 6th and Peabody here with Yeehaw Beer, Old Smoky Moonshine on Friday. It's where we broadcast from each and every day. So we have the VolQuest Hour coming up in the Tennessee Power Hour. That's at 4 o'clock Central, 5 o'clock Eastern. Gentlemen, great afternoon. Time to turn the page and get ready for a great football weekend today. Looking forward to a great show. You mentioned Hutton on both the Friday and Saturday here from our home at 6th and Peabody. Going to be a lot of fun. Got a lot of announcements coming up about special guest lists, special opportunity maybe for some viewers and listeners out there to join in on the fun as well. Uh, I can tell you that um, by the time I got home last night from coaching my daughter's softball game, which she went undefeated in the regular season, uh, did not win a game by less than 10 runs and got to the playoffs and lost in game one, 17 to 15. I then get home and turn my television on to Cody Bellinger officially burying the Atlanta Braves with a three-run home run. Go so Big Blue. my sports night was not as pleasant uh, with the, that happening last night. It did feel like, I said yesterday, I thought Charlie Morton would bury the Dodgers yesterday. Braves were going to go up 3-0. He was going to pitch great. He had a rough first inning, which he's had many times this year. He settled down. He was better than Walker Bueller. Braves led 5-2 for seemingly an eternity of that game after a big fourth inning. They get to the bottom of the eighth, and disaster struck, which Braves fans are all too familiar with. I, of course, showily bet the run line. So, uh, lost, uh, since it was a one-run game. But uh, uh, entertaining game. Uh, tense It's been a game. great series. It's a playoff baseball uh, at its best. That pitch that Bellinger hit, um, I mean, it's well out of the zone. He jumped on, on a high pitch that is it's a good pitch. Um, and ESPN Stats and Info has something ridiculous. According to them, the pitch crossed the plate 4.12 feet off the ground. I don't have great context for how high that is, but they said no one since at least 2008 has homered on such a pitch at that speed during the postseason. And that's where so you you've pitch. got that going for you, Chad. That's where you pitch Bellinger. It was super uh, unusual that, that somebody hits that pitch out. It was the right pitch, and he executed the right pitch. Yeah. He just hit it out of the park. I mean, it was 96 miles per hour. You said the stat about we haven't seen that in the postseason since 2008. Over four feet north uh, off the plate, 96 miles per hour, 95 miles per hour plus, really hard to hit a a home run off of that pitch, and that's what Bellinger did. This This is what makes baseball both fun and maddening because sometimes the right pitch 
executed against the right hitter with the right scouting report does not matter. That's one of those moments. I, I, I talked about this before the Yankees-Red Sox wildcard game when I heard an interview with my guy Greg Nettles whose thing about that 1978 playoff game was he, he, he was hoping for both sides that nobody made the mistake that killed you. So at least there the pitcher's not saying, man, I, I, I dropped one right in the middle of the zone. You know, he threw a good pitch and the guy made a, a, a great swing on it. Makes it a little easier to stomach. Uh, you no. Know. No. no. The Dodgers, no. The Dodgers were 0-81 in the playoffs when trailing by three or more runs. Yeah, it doesn't make it any easier. I, I think if that's me, I, look, I, if I'm a Braves fan, I'm miserable at that, but I feel a little bit better that the guy hit a ridiculously difficult pitch as opposed to the pitcher dropped a dropped one middle-middle and made a, made a terrible mistake. Well, it's here's the problem with it, is if you're a Braves fan and you've lived through misery in the postseason before, then you start to get this feeling of, oh, even when we do everything yeah, right, we still lose. And also, you're looking at the Dodgers. I mean, this is the highest paid payroll in baseball by a mile. This is the most talented team in baseball. It feels like the Braves lost the series because it's over when you're up 5-2. Braves' bullpen has been great this postseason. All the jokes I made about them throughout the regular season, they've been terrific throughout the postseason. If they hold on to that lead up 3-0, Dodgers are not coming back from 3-0. It just... I got the sense that the whole series turned around Well, on that one uh, unlikely home run by Cody Bellinger where the Braves actually executed. I'd almost feel better if he put a meatball up there and he you know, missed through a, a curveball and hung one or something where he can say, well, you made one bad pitch and you lost a game. And the bullpen was the bullpen. But it's, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's bad because, boy, even when the bullpen's that good, the Dodgers just have so many guys in their lineup that you can strike lightning on a 96-mile-per-hour high fastball because they have so many guys who can hit it out of the park. Biggest Dodgers fan in Nashville, Jim Wyatt, out at the Titans, says, hey, to a Braves fan before Titans availability today, say, hey, I'll still trade places with you. He'd rather be in the Braves' shoes than, than in the Dodgers' shoes with the momentum. Well, so, a 2-1 lead. A 2-1 yeah, lead in so a series of postseason history, in you the, win 70% of the time yeah, in the series. You're still in the better spot, even though you feel... Braves you need know, to take it back home. Momentum's as good as tomorrow's pitcher. The thing is, tomorrow's pitcher's a bullpen game, right? Yes. That's unusual to say you're as good as tomorrow's... Your momentum's as good as tomorrow's pitcher when tomorrow's pitcher's five guys. Braves have lost 11 of their last 12 there. Yeah, it's, it's very... Uh, and look, no one... Uh, it, it's not like teams are having great success, anyone at right. Dodger Stadium against this, this iteration of the very highly paid Los Angeles Dodgers. That's the best team in baseball. They won 105 games in the regular season. The Braves won 83. Sweeping them. They're the better team. The Braves were the better team in October up until that home run by Bellinger. That's what's frustrating. How about, how about this stat? Uh, runners who steal or, or, or tried to steal a base in the postseason, 31 for 33 so far this postseason. That's amazing. I read something at the end of the regular season or that looked at regular season stats, and I don't, I don't know what the regular season percentage was, but they, they looked at like 75% as the magic number for base stealing, and I think it might have approached that this year. Um, people should go more. When, when I see that, Hutton, they've got it down to a science now, like knowing if the catcher can get there and what the pitch is and all that. The analytics on stolen bases are superb. Great night uh, or great afternoon for Freddie Freeman. He finally got going. At least you have that to lean on as you go into game four tonight. As Freddie Freeman showed up, swung the bat. 
Yeah, and and you know, with the bullpen game for the Braves, you're you're not conceding, but it's you're saying this is a huge route. it's a huge bonus. Right? If you could find a way to piece together a win today, any possible way, I mean, you're up 3-1 going home now and you get your guys coming back. You've got Max Freed, who's looked like Tom Glavin as a lefty in October so far this this postseason. Things start to really look up, but, I mean, it's a bullpen day. It should be 2-2 going back to Atlanta. Still a great series. Every game decided by one run so far. You had the two walk-off hits for the Braves in games one and two. You had a bottom of the eighth inning, three-run rally. Mookie Betts with a double to score the, the winning run for the Dodgers in this one. It's been a terrific series. It was a great series a year ago. I think the frustrating part right now, if you're a Braves fan, you've got that one World Series in 1995, and that was over a decade where you won the division pretty much every year. You got one World Series. Now you've got great Braves teams that just happen to be going up in back-to-back years against more great Dodgers teams, right? This Dodgers team and the dynasty they may be embarking upon right now just superior to the Braves, and that's frustrating because this is going to be a great era for the Braves, and I'll say it again. Keep in mind, they're doing this without Acuna, without Ozuna, without Soroka. The Braves aren't going anywhere, so that's one thing to keep in mind. It's still frustrating, though, because you never know. Well, you had control. You never know. You had control. You know that it's unlikely you're going to keep control over the seven-game series against a team of that caliber. But it's hard not to, <laughs> no matter what, you're up to nothing. It's hard. And, and you have a lead. It's hard, a late lead. It's hard not to feel great regret when that gets away from you. A solid series in the AL as well, where Houston uh, knots the series two games apiece last night with a seven-run ninth inning. And they win 9-2. Thank God. It's, I mean, it's, it's headed towards... A game no one saw because it wasn't on ESPN or TBS. Well, uh, plus, if you, like, I have Comcast, I flipped, you know, the baseball that's supposed to give you all the baseball that's on it wasn't there. NBA for, opening for, night. For a short time, I presume that it was an off night until I circled back and, and found it. That's, that's ridiculous that you can't uh, just know. I hate that there is a power in sports broadcasting that's so big in ESPN that the f- sports fan has to suffer based on their prioritization. Well, their contracts. Right. They have every contract. Regular season but basketball, my, my not is, bigger than playoff baseball. Yes, they, they have so much money they can hoard contracts and have contracts for everything. And because of that, because it's not a total monopoly, but they have so much going on, their priority of Lakers-Warriors or whatever it was last night in their game, I didn't think it was that. That may have been on TNT. Uh, but w- whatever their game was, they put that over a postseason baseball game I would rather see. What was the baseball on? FS1. Yeah. FS1 last night. And um, and that was after, you know, that was the night game. Second game. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I, I flipped over and, and saw the ninth inning, but you I... You have to find it. Yeah. You I, have to go find well, it. Well, I wasn't even actively finding. I think that's the problem with Major League Baseball right now. The casual fan is... ESPN's putting NBA on for a reason. NBA opening night for a reason. Well, look, I tried to actively find it, and it wasn't properly on my guide. Major League Baseball can't get properly on Comcast's guide. Comcast, one well, of the Comcast huge... Comcast issue. Right, but Major League Baseball should be all over Comcast to be listed appropriately so that if someone 
to much to their delight is actually looking for the game it's easily found right that's yeah. i mean that's part of the issue too well and what, what i'm talking about last night's probably a bad example because at least it's on a fox property and it's on fs1 which is their biggest sports property but i guess the broader point it should is be on fox the fact that you know espn has all the sec let's say you know they get to choose what randomly gets kicked to sec plus premium and if it was spread out if you allowed more networks in, those games would also be on television somewhere. But instead, everything is just filtered through and decided by ESPN what takes priority so the consumer is left to piece together what they want to watch and what they need to find. I I just wish there was more options out there. But Paul, I know where games are on TV because I go to my ESPN app on my phone and right next to the score, it says the network it's on. Yeah, I do. So that you would know it's the, where it is the right score. there. TBS, FS1, Fox. Well, I agree. And then but go for, to it. for college football, that's one thing when there are 15 games on at a time. But when there's one MLB playoff game, you shouldn't have to do that. Coming up on today's show, uh, we have Brent Hubs and Austin Price, VolQuest.com. Uh, a lot to get to in the VolQuest hour. We will hit on one of the major headlines there with Jeremy Pruitt and uh, his lawyer trying to get the full buyout. Uh, we'll discuss that previous to their visit and dive in head first to that issue. That's coming up at 4 o'clock Central, 5 o'clock Eastern with Brent Hobbs and Austin Price. We will also have Trey Wallace on as we will look ahead to all the great SEC matchups uh, this weekend and trying to determine where Ole Miss goes from here, uh, where Tennessee goes after Bama, what's Kentucky have left to prove that there's a lot to dissect as we begin to go through the middle of October into November in the home stretch for the SEC title game in December. We'll do that. Plus, when we come back, Baker Mayfield's trying to play through a bum shoulder, and they play tomorrow. We'll discuss him. We will get into uh, Jeremy Pruitt and the messages that are sent through his lawyer and the messages being sent back to him from coaches on campus at the University of Tennessee. All that and more straight ahead. First, though, Toyo's Clinic, see better, look better. And if you want the second half of that, just look over to David Reed. Yeah, so if you're looking in the mirror and you don't like what you see, well, they can help with that too. Look, I've talked to you for years about hair restoration, how I made the mistake of the old-fashioned method. That's not what's being implemented at Toyo's Clinic nowadays. They have the latest and greatest technology when it comes to LASIK, also when it comes to hair restoration. We're talking about smart graft technology No, gone are the days of the long linear scar that leaves you long on a scar and short on results. That was my case with the old-fashioned hair restoration. This is the latest, greatest technology. It's 2021. They are implementing the best technology, so you don't have to live with hair loss anymore. You don't have to be a guy who has a hat for every occasion. So if you're having hair loss trouble, if you're you're concerned about your thinning or balding hair, here's the number to call. That's 888-315-3900. 37 that's triple eight three one five thirty nine thirty seven one phone call gets you a consultation and it can be as simple as one afternoon in the clinic that gets your hair growing back up on top of your head natural results because it's your own natural hair growing once again again that that number is triple eight three one five three nine three seven tell them outkick sent you and you receive 10 percent off that's toyo's clinic and their smart graft hair restoration triple eight three one five Three nine three seven. Toyos Clinic. See better. Look better. I'll kick three sixty rolls on from the sixth and Peabody Studios with Yeehaw Beer, Old Smoky Moonshine. 
Alongside Chad Withrow and Paul Koharski, I'm Jonathan Hutton. Glad you're with us. If you're listening in Birmingham, if you're listening in Huntsville, in Fox Sports Shoals, in, in Muscle Shoals, Alabama, Florence, Alabama, Knoxville, Tennessee, and the Upper Cumberland on Sports Radio 104.7, we say hello to you. Glad you're with us this afternoon. The NFL has got it right through their primetime schedule. Uh, say what you want about the schedule makers and who's playing where and when. Um, just running through the primetime games under the lights. Cowboys, Bucks, Ravens, Raiders went to overtime. Giants and Washington, that was a one-point game. Chiefs, Rave, uh, Chiefs, Ravens, 36-35. Packers, 49ers, 30-28 the final. Jags, Bengals, highest-rated game on Thursday night football. That was 24-21 that was a the game, final. A good Jags game. Bucks, Patriots, 19-17. Um, in Brady's return, that's a no-brainer. Colts, Ravens, 31-25 in overtime. Seahawks, Steelers last Sunday night, 23-20 overtime. Bills, Titans, 34-31, where it came down to the very end. Must-see TV is what the NFL has created through six weeks. The hit rate's been extraordinary. Here is this week's games, and it will be ridiculed, but I guarantee you they're going to hit on one of these. Broncos-Browns on Thursday night football. Colts-49ers Sunday night football. Saints-Seahawks on Monday night. Problem is, sorry, Case Keenum's playing tonight. Tomorrow tomorrow night. Tomorrow night. Tonight is Wednesday. My week is screwed up because of our (laughs) our scheduling stuff. Tomorrow night. So um, it's a less attractive game, obviously. It might be a competitive game, which is what I, I want, but what people generally want is to see the guys that they know and so it's a, a Baker Mayfield AWOL game. So it starts off with less interest because for the first first time in one of these games, we're uh, well, no, we saw Geno Smith. So it's trending now, and the league is trending now where we're starting to see backup quarterbacks. That's unfortunate. You're right, though. They've hit the jackpot generally on the primetime games. And how many times have we gone uh, to our couch where we've turned on a primetime game, fired up at a night, and by halftime well, you're like, eh, what's on there's no, there's no, uh, There's no ridiculing the Thursday night schedule so far. Yeah, they've picked it up, and they've gotten fortunate with uh, uh, the, the games that don't look great right. have been good competitive games, which is what I, I always want. Baker Mayfield was trying to play, by yeah. the way. Yeah, it's just a short week. I think if the game's on Sunday, he tries to push through because he told the media. And by the way, props to Baker Mayfield. For being honest on an injury and just laying it out there on exactly the the player to me benefits more by just being open and honest about the situation, regardless of what the coach and what the organization wants you to say. Uh, it, it does not hurt the Browns to have Baker Mayfield explain that it's a pain tolerance issue with his shoulder, where he suffered a torn labrum in his non throwing shoulder. He's been playing with that. Was it week two or week one where he went for that tackle and the interception? And, and tore his labrum in his non-throwing shoulder. He's been playing with that all season. He re-aggravated it last Sunday against the Cardinals, and because of the short week, he can't play. And they're the gonna, other side of this him. is he has 10 days right, to get right. it feeling good. Uh, you know, uh, it's a real rest situation for him. 10 days from now, he could be feeling, you know, as good as he's going to feel all season until Here's they the get issue, their bye though. week. They're without, or could be without again, Odell Beckham Jr., Jarvis Landry, uh, they will not have Nick Chubb, or at least they didn't this past week. They will not have Kareem Hunt because he suffered uh, the, the same injury as Chubb. And how's the OL? 
What's that? How's the offensive line? Jack Conklin left the game with a knee injury. Uh, Jedrick Wills has an ankle injury. He left the game last week. So their offense has been decimated over the last two weeks due to they're, injury. They're the most hurt team, maybe not in numbers, but in terms of significant injuries, the Cleveland Browns are most deserving of sympathy of any team in the league right now. Um, and that's a popular team. That's a good team. But you take those guys out of the lineup or put them at, you know, 70% or whatever they're at, yeah. they're, they're hurt. Here's what's great about the NFL. It's the least surprising thing ever that their primetime schedule has delivered. I mean, it's just... Oh, you it's wonder, surprising well, on Thursday, Thursday night. night you, surprising. You wonder, though, why... Well, okay, two-thirds of them ha- have yeah. delivered regardless because you want to talk about the success of that league and why they're the best. It's because the only way that something's not going to succeed from a an eyeball standpoint or performance standpoint is the variable of a quarterback being injured is what we're talking about now. Well, they also, though, Chad, they wind up sometimes six weeks in with a team that's really uh, not meeting expectations. Well, doesn't that's, play up to it, even on Sunday night football. Correct, and we're talking and about it now. It so far. When we get into week 12, 13, There'll 14, and two teams are out of the playoff race, that's when you right. get duds for, for and games. And that's when the flexing begins for Sunday night. But well, that's why I bring it up this team. week, because we have some duds on paper. Yeah. I mean, based on just the... List them again. Uh, Broncos-Browns tomorrow. You have Colts-49ers coming up on Sunday night football and then the Saints and Seahawks on Monday night football with Geno Smith. So they've gone back-to-back weeks where you bank on the fact that Russell Wilson hasn't missed a start in a decade. And they have the Seahawks at home after watching the Seahawks on prime time last week. They played an entertaining uh, game, so what are the odds, yeah, what are the odds you get them twice? It's on the list of entertaining games. What are the odds you get them twice? And they have the Saints coming off the bye week, I believe. But see, Colts, Colts 49ers isn't two terrific teams, but they, they are probably pretty evenly matched, like you're saying. Yeah. That, that doesn't sound like a bad game to me. I'm not like, oh, that's a letdown. I mean, it's not fantastic teams, but it's probably a good game. This is also the influx of the TV money where ESPN and ABC, they are paying more. They're now in the Super Bowl rotation. Yeah, they said, give us, give us better games. Yeah, because the Monday Night Football slate was not good in recent years. I mean, well, just, at the very beginning it, of that, it was, not it was bad. Intentionally bad. Well, they gave them like the they were worst of them, the primetime slot. Yeah, they were giving them Last Lions, pick. Bears. Last know. pick. And, and now they've get, they get more of a selection uh, throughout their their schedule makers, so and and I think there's a flex opportunity later, and they're getting a a playoff game on Monday night this year, so they're they've been you know they've been given a boost, which is which is great, being able to go home and watch some some close compelling games, um, and it's a shame that Baker can't play because of the 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 short week. It's also uh, it's not just the short week though, guys. It's also having to do with can they protect him, and if. Jack Conklin isn't playing at right tackle and Jedrick Wills isn't playing at left. Uh, you feel bad for Case Keenum. This is what he's paid to do. Go in and get hit, get knocked around a little bit. Yeah. And I mean, he's one of the better back. I got yeah. hard, hard no, to spit is. those words out of the mouth because he is Case Keenum. But I mean, he's equipped. Uh, he's equipped when they're equipped to do what they do. But then you talk about the offensive line injuries and the running back injuries and they're not equipped to do what they do. They're going to have to play really good defense. Coming up, we'll gift you uh, the, the latest from the, the Titans practice. That's later in today's show. We'll also have Trey Wallace, uh, who covers the SEC for Outkick.com. He will join us today in just a little under an hour. We will discuss in the 4 o'clock Central hour the news out of Knoxville 
that involves their former coach, Jeremy Pruitt, and through his attorney, um, Michael Lyons, saying that Tennessee needs to pony up and pay the full buyout or they are going to, even if they win the discussion, they, if, even if they win the argument that they, they're, they don't owe Pruitt the full buyout based on the NCAA infractions and they fire in, fired him with, with cause, that the attorney, Michael Lyons, is saying they're going to release information that will be harmful for the University of Tennessee and their athletic programs with the NCAA. Trying it will to blackmail not look good. their way. Blackmail their way to their money. And then you have Rick Barnes who says, hey, uh, Pruitt, Shh. keep your name, keep my name out of your mouth. That's what he's saying. Keep my name out of your mouth. And I, I love the response. And I'm paraphrasing, uh, and I'm telling you what he really said in his statement to ESPN. Uh, but Chad, it was it was great to see the comments from him. Uh, great to see the response from the University of Tennessee that's saying, "Do whatever you want, Michael Lyons. Do whatever you want, Jeremy Pruitt. You're you're not getting your 16 million or whatever they owe him." Well, in both Philip Fulmer and uh, and Rick Barnes' release statements, which I want to thank both of them for actually saying something. Yes, because 90 percent of the time. The other people involved in this would just no comment and wouldn't respond yeah. to allegations like this. Philip Fulmer said, the days I interviewed each candidate for the head coaching of football position at the University of Tennessee, including Jeremy Pruitt, I emphasized that you did not have to cheat to win at the University of Tennessee and that cheating would not be tolerated. Jeremy has no one to blame but himself for his firing at Tennessee. He had a great opportunity at a great university and he simply screwed it up. That was Fulmer's complete statement. Rick Barnes gets a little bit more personal. Mm -hmm. Says, I'm really disappointed that Jeremy would throw people's names around that he knows did nothing but support him the entire time he was here and make these unsubstantiated claims. I invite the NCAA to come in any day of the week and investigate my program. I have too much respect for our players, our school, and our administration for somebody to ever think we're not doing things right here and make such ridiculous statements. Jeremy's not here because of decisions he made and the way he led his, his, his program. Here's what I know. Our university has done everything it possibly can in working with the NCAA, which no one would argue considering the over a million dollars now they've spent mm -hmm. on attorneys working with the NCAA to clean up the mess he left behind and bring this to closure. There is a line in the season premiere of Succession, my current favorite show on HBO, Good where episode. Logan Roy, the head of the family, is being challenged by his son for his media empire. And he is backed into a corner. He's facing possible jail time. And he gets his attorney on the phone, and he says, we are now going to go beast. We're going to go full bleeping beast. This is Jeremy Pruitt and his attorney's response now. They are going full beast on the University of Tennessee. There's nothing that a rationally-minded attorney would look at in this and say, well, this is your first option, is to start throwing around allegations and threatening people and trying to extort them. This is a last-ditch effort by Jeremy Pruitt. I don't think it's going to work based on Tennessee's response. It looks like Tennessee has held out long enough. They are going to continue to stick with this and say, sue us if you want. We're not paying you a dime. But this is also the reason why people would say in the beginning, just work out a settlement. It's not going to be the full buyout. Work out half. Work out 35% of it, whatever it may be. It seems, guys, now we're at the point where Lyons, his attorney, is saying, pay us something. 
Pay us something to go away, and we won't file a lawsuit. I want to walk this backwards for a minute, if I may. UT people, and I had no objection to the Shiano stuff. I think it was uh, an emboldened fan base, a fan base taking some control and, and fairly telling the administration, like, we don't want this and, and take a power. And I was kind of impressed by it. But you desperately didn't want that, UT fans. And I, I say you looking at, at Chad and, and David here, too. You desperately didn't want that. And what you desperately wanted was John Curry out, and you, you embraced Phil Fulmer as the solution to that. And this is what he gave you. This is what he gave you. So now this guy's the enemy. But you asked for all of this by hiring this moron who wasn't a very good football coach and did some things that are trouble. So I know he's your arch enemy now, but your guy decided this was the guy to save the program. So I think that's got to be weaved into the fabric of this story throughout. Well, what, because what when Pruitt you were do, saved Paul? from the Shiano stuff, this is was... What did Pruitt do? What did Pruitt do? You well, said he did some stuff that... Well, apparently he did... Uh, what did he do? He, he violated a bunch of uh, stuff that the university itself found enough to fire him for. They, they got rid the of The university recruiting. that three years earlier decided he was the savior of the program. Well, they got rid of his recruiting coordinator. Brian Niedermeyer and Shelton Felton. Yeah, they fired them. And they got rid of some staffers. So again, just well, tell they me, fired tell him, me what he too. Did. They fired him, too. They fired Jeremy Pruitt. You tell me what he did. Your program fired him. You're just, you're, I mean, I'm asking you because you're bringing this up as an example on Fulmer. I'm, I'm asking you what he did. They're investigating it right now, and then the NCAA hasn't said. Well, I mean, Philip Fulmer, look, he's, he's 0 for 1. Uh, with hires, I mean, we, we've he, seen we've he seen didn't other bring pride ads to the university. We know that we've he seen didn't other solve ads. the problem that you wanted fixed that Fulmer was supposed to fix, right? Because Curry was Satan and and blew it. And I don't, I'm not defending Curry because Curry botched the whole thing. Well, and Curry apparently had a mental breakdown after botch after Shiano Sunday. Yes, yeah, where he went off the couldn't couldn't get on the internet. He, he went radio silent and, and wouldn't respond to people and was out doing things on his own. Is why Curry ended up losing his job. But look, I understand Fulmer, that we don't know the, the specifics of his thing, but he's public enemy number one now. If you're Jeremy Pruitt, removed. this is, uh, I'm not saying you go public the way that his attorney has done it, but I mean, you've, you've gone how long and the NCAA has not come down with any infractions? I mean, I, at best, it's a slap on the wrist headed their way. Um, it's, I mean, I think, but you did get rid of him. Well, so he, yes, but with or without cause, you tell me. Uh, yeah, I, I, we don't know if it's with or without That's my cause. point. Well, we know that Tennessee is claiming it's with cause. Right. And then Jerry Pruitt's the attorneys is saying it's not, it's not with cause. And that therein lies the fight that we have here on the buyout money. But this also signifies to me, and I, I've talked to people around this case, Jeremy Pruitt's not doing this if he thinks he can get a college job soon. You're exactly this right. This is a burn-the-house-down method because Jeremy Pruitt's about to face a five- to ten-year show cause. He's not getting a college job. Well, he, he is a defensive analyst. shouldn't get a college job based but, on incompetence. We but know exactly where he's going. Here's, here's my point with this, though. If you know that the NCAA, they still have not ruled, they've not given any findings, anything to Tennessee. Right. But if, if you believe the ruling is, I'm about to get hit with a five to ten year show cause, I need money now. So let's get that before that happens. Because the moment the NCAA, which by the way, Looking back in, in hindsight, maybe not the dumbest thing by Tennessee, 
to be best buddies with the NCAA because you're the one turning over evidence. You're the one showing what happened. You're the one saying, look, we fired this guy, this guy, this guy, this girl, this girl, this guy, this guy from the recruiting department and got rid of the problem. And now all of a sudden, when the NCAA comes back and says, you're done coaching in college for five years, what can Jeremy Pruitt and his attorney say? That is a firing for cause if I've ever seen one. The guy can't coach in college anymore. Say, go I, I think Daniel Jones. This, go this Saquon is, Barkley. This is a desperate move, and Jeremy Pruitt's going to end up coaching high school in Alabama, no, and he knows it. He'll be back at Bama. I, I don't know, Hutton, because Brian Niedermeyer, who is the bag man in this whole case and is ne- definitely not going to be coaching for 10 years based on what they have on him, Jeremy Pruitt found him at Alabama. And even the great Nick Saban is not taking a rat. That's one thing they will not tolerate at Bama. He may love Jeremy Pruitt, but the moment you go full FBI informant as a head coach, which Jeremy Pruitt and his attorney are doing, not just with basketball. I'm reminded right of Petey Bell and Blue Chips when he's talking about the football program when he's on there, right? Oh, he's going to go buy himself a linebacker now. This is Jeremy Pruitt claiming Rick Barnes is out buying players too. Well, that's a, that's, dumb, not, that's a dumb place to that's go. That's not going to sit well to with Barnes. any university of, of any any university of any great athletic standing is not going to put up with that and hire someone. I think he knows that he's not coaching in college again. He's trying to get as much money as he can in this buyout, and he'll, he'll be happy to go coach ball in high school in Alabama somewhere. It's a dumb strategy to touch Barnes at all. Well, Barnes has invited the NCAA, who's, I mean, they're, they're spineless. They have, they have no backbone uh, to, to stand stand tall on anything, which is the whole point of why the infractions are going to be light. On the, the Vols should uh, impose their own penalty and say, do, it, do what you will. We're, we're done paying, and we're done paying Pruitt, and it's over. Uh, but they're not doing that because they'd rather pay $2 million to lawyers to settle this investigation than whatever the buyout is for, for Pruitt. Is it 16? Is it 13? Somewhere in between there. Um, and the example uh, about the, the rat to the NCAA – they're not doing that yet. This is just a veiled threat to say that they have information that they'll turn over unless they get some money in return. And it has worked in the past. Michael Lyons got David Beatty paid at Kansas. They were not going to pay him a buyout. He ends up getting three, three and a half million dollars in return on a settlement where everything went away. And, and Beatty, uh, excuse me, Lyons was quoted about that. He said, if anybody thinks I'm a bluffer, go talk to Kansas. See what they say. It's not my reputation. I'm an advocate for my client, but I'm ethically duty-bound to make sure I don't misrepresent anything. I'm certainly not going to put something in a letter that would detail an NCAA investigation that Tennessee has to turn around and go report. Because then what happens? I can't talk about it. It becomes the subject of an NCAA investigation. So he's not going to put anything out there publicly. This is just a threat to Tennessee. And quite frankly... Tennessee would know what he's insinuating in all this. There's no secret here. They would know, and they've turned around and called his bluff, that in fact there's nothing else to, to show. Yeah, Tennessee's either going to die on this hill or be validated on this hill. And I'll say the difference between David Beatty and what Lyons was able to do for him is David Beatty didn't get hammered by the NCAA. Uh, in the end, they didn't find reason for a show cause for him, so it did have the appearance of Kansas is just trying to get out of the buyout. He didn't really do anything that bad. Right. He was just losing games, and they dug up some stuff to get rid of him. I think Tennessee took a similar tact here, but the dirt on Pruitt and Niedermeyer and Shelton Felton 
It's way dirtier than anything David Beatty was up to. Now, do I think that Jeremy Pruitt knows about things in the last decade of Tennessee football that's gone on under different regimes? Yes. Well, the buck stopped with him. Yes, I think he does know that. But, but again, what can you prove? You know, these aren't specific allegations. What are they going to go back and, and try to try to legislate years ago that he may know about with a booster or something else? Um, I, I think Tennessee is going to stay strong here, and we'll see how this plays out. But, guys, you don't want to get people deposed. How long? You did, don't want a lawsuit to come through, and then suddenly everyone I, is under deposition at Tennessee also. I'm not, saying Pruitt, I'm not saying Pruitt didn't deserve to get fired. Sometimes you have to pay full, full price for a bad mistake. Because how long did they wait to make a decision on Pruitt after firing Niedermeyer? And the statement from Dondi Plowman was, your failure to promote and maintain an atmosphere of compliance. Well, if that's the case, you get rid of him during the season and you move on with an interim coach. Am I right in thinking that? I mean, if, if it's failure to comply and promote compliance, that's, that's noted by firing the assistant coaches that you fired during the season. But he'll take less than full price now, won't he? Oh, the, uh, Were they fired I, during the season or are they fired right? Because the story broke right before the A&M game. Which Trey was the final Wallace had it. Yeah, it was the morning of the A&M game, which was their final game of the year. So everything started happening then. I'm trying to think of the timing of when Niedermeyer was fired and then Pruitt was fired. I don't think it was that big but, of a but time he, gap. But, but we know the storyline, though. The storyline was the news was leaked because people behind the scenes wanted Pruitt out. But Pruitt wasn't out that week. Other coaches were. Well, Niedermeyer was, uh, I know he had legal representation and was you know, working really against Tennessee in the NCAA, but working with lawyers earlier in the season when this came to light. And then the news broke the day of the last game, the morning of the, the Texas A&M game. And I, I'll never forget the quote where she said, uh, it was stunning the number of people involved and the number of incidents. Throughout the program. Again, this, this goes back to the NCAA had this big edict that we are going to go after coaches now and not programs. And if you eradicate the coaches, yep. we're going to spend more time talking about the adults making a lot of money that violate the rules and not the kids that are left behind uh, that were in part of that violation of the rule. We'll see if they stand by that in this Tennessee case because right now it's the coaches in that whole situation that are paying the price, and I think that's who should pay the price. Our primary complaint of the week, next on OutKick 360. OutKick 360, and on Saturday morning, OutKick the tailgate across the OutKick network, 8 o'clock Central, 9 o'clock Eastern is when we get going to get you ready for the best college football games of the day. We'll do that today as well. Trey Wallace joins us in about 30 minutes. Looking forward to that. Brent Hubs, Austin Price from VolQuest.com with us coming up in roughly an hour and 20 minutes from now. Right now, though, it is time for Primary Complaints. My primary complaint this week, guys, uh, simple. And, and really just across the board, car rental companies who... You know, you would think if you book online, if you reserve your car online, that when you arrive to an airport or down the street at whatever car rental place it might be, that your car is reserved. And that's not the case anymore. They're running out of cars, which I think is absurd. Someone walking off the street to get a car should not get to the front of the line for someone who has something reserved 
and they're flying into that town that week. When I reserve a car, I reserve it for that time and that spot, I'm expecting it to be there. That's my primary complaint. My primary complaint is for Chris Broussard's confidence. Uh, It's not the gaffe that he made. Things happen. It was really foolish. It was not good. Uh, You've all probably seen the clip by now, especially if you're a Titans fan. He said that Taylor Lewan was the starting left tackle for the Buffalo Bills and that the final play of the game, the failed sneak by Josh Allen, the biggest reason it happened was because Bills left tackle Taylor Lewan injured himself earlier in the game. If you follow the NFL, you know that that's not true. Why? Because Taylor Lewan <laughs> is the left tackle for the Tennessee Titans. It's not the gaffe that bothers me. As much as the sheer confidence in which Chris Broussard went through that rant and mentioned it. If you have any hesitation about a name, about a time, about anything, and you are on mic or on camera for a living, it's okay to slow yourself up and either not say the name of the person or maybe hesitate for a second and ask your crew. Saturday, we're doing the tailgate show, and I'm talking about Texas and the name Casey Thompson, their quarterback, completely escapes my mind. It happens. I'm talking about when Texas put in their quarterback and Jill Savage said, Casey Thompson. Thank you, Jill. Casey Thompson. Instead of just saying Texas quarterback Hendon Hooker, which would have been incorrect, I could have said it with confidence. It still would have been wrong. Check yourself. Show some humility. And if you don't know something, don't just start blurting things out with utter confidence when you're completely wrong. This is my primary complaint. David Reed, you have the floor. So this happens every time this year, and it really disturbs me. It's time to talk about the nickelback of Halloween candy. (laughs) Candy corn and how this time of year, all over social media, everyone's talking about, oh, we see the memes out there. How to eat candy corn. Step one, open the bag. Step two, throw it in the trash. (laughs) That's so funny. Like if George Carlin was still alive today, he would have to retire because of comedy gold like that. Look, you may say you hate candy corn, but the stats say different. They're still selling $75 million worth of this thing every single year. And even if you do hate it, why do you have to tell the whole world? We don't care. It's not going to, I'm still going to eat it. That's just that's more candy corn for me. And just like everybody, no one listens to Nickelback. No one listens to Nickelback. They've just sold over 60 million albums and like the top 15 of all rock bands. But we all hate them. This is just a mob mentality on social media. You want to be a part of something, even though you, you're lying about it. Look, if you hate, if you hate candy corn, hate candy corn. But it's not going to stop me from, from eating it. And also, while we're at it, stop besmirching circus peanuts, too. You know they're great. That's my primary complaint. That's how David Reed reminds you. There's right just there. no That's more how you circus. remind me, Reed. There's nope. just no more circus that for was, you to eat your peanuts at. That was terrific. Boys, this is going to be upsetting for you because this is really a complaint that you should have. Because I've heard from the first national mint and trust, and you're not going to believe this. I've got an uncommon last name. I don't know if you know that. You don't know many other Kuharskis. Not a but single But the one. first National Mint and Trust, get a hold of this. They found silver bars with the Kuharski family name on them. They're so delighting Kuharski families in other states. There's a run on them, and a few are now left for other families of the same name. They put a 45-day hold on the Kuharski family silver bars for me to make arrangements to pick them up. I bet there aren't any Withrow family bars or Hutton family bars, certainly no Reed family bars, but Kuharski family bars. My mother wanted to get Simon some silver 
stuff, some silver coins for uh, his birthday or something. And so he picked some out, and I shop for him, and we'll put him in a safe to, safety deposit box, and maybe someday it'll help him pay for a, a ring for his bride, like I used bonds that I got when I was a kid to pay for Teresa's wedding ring. And now I'm on their damn mailing list, and I get BS like this. With the Withrow family's uh, humble roots, it would be a, a piece of hickory wood that was whittled the Withrow name into and not silver. Yeah, if there was... If they a, found these bars, Dave. They're not engraving if, if them. The Car, if the Kaharski name is on any piece of, of money, it's a ruble. We all know that. <laughs> True. True. There's a pirate's treasure chest somewhere. Geographically correct, Reed. <laughs> pirate's treasure chest floating on ice. Get that booty while you can. In Siberia. <laughs> Hit us up on Twitter. Uh, hashtag primary complaint with yours. We hit the headlines next on Outkick 360.